I come from the old MLK school or like service to others is, you know, is your rent for life here on earth, you know? And so I've always been able to look outside myself and always have been willing to, and made a point in my life to help other people. Cause my dad always said, there's an old saying, you know, if you want a blessing, be a blessing. This is Commonplace, the show about creative people and the things that inspire them. I'm Nathan Thomas. Today on the show, we have Dave Lavender. He works at the West Virginia Department of Economic Development, where he's part of the Relaunch State Film Office. The office promotes filmmaking within the state, whether it's helping out with tax credits, finding film locations, or crew members to work on shoots. He's also the president of the board for Hope in the Hills, the organization that puts together Healing Appalachia, a yearly festival that fundraises for a wide variety of opioid recovery programs. Next Thursday, Healing Appalachia will present their third annual spring donation-based live stream, featuring performances from last year's festival, including Margot Price, Lucero, and Tommy Prine. It will also feature Tyler Childers in the Food Stamps full performance, plus new interviews with the Healing Appalachia team. In our conversation, we talk about Healing Appalachia's efforts to become the farm aid of substance abuse recovery and Dave's dedication to serving others. But we begin the talk with the rebooted film office and Dave's recent trip to South by Southwest to promote West Virginia film. down there you know it's interesting so i uh my wife terrell and i we were at south by southwest in 95 <laughs> and you know and then didn't go back until last year i went with the state uh department of economic development and we went to go um you know to promote the ascend program and sort of also west virginia being recast as a, a startup state right through the work with Brad Smith, John Chambers, and a lot of the Vantage uh, Ventures and, and, and uh, Venture Capital stuff happening across the state. And so I kind of got the lay of the land. And so when the film office, when uh, we kind of rebooted that, you know, South by Southwest was a good economical place to go, um, you know, raise up the flag and let everybody know that we're back in business, you know. Were there any sessions that stood out to you or any just uh, big, like, takeaways? Yeah, for sure. So I, I went to about, so the TV and, you know, it, it's, it's like 17 days now, right? So the, it was like the educational part and then the film and TV and then, and then it bleeds into the music. And so I went to about five sessions a day, um, you know, and a lot of it trying to get my head around, um, you know, with film and TV and creative content, right? Like what's the future of distribution? Um, how do we help, um, you know, uh, folks making uh, great art on a micro budget. So I think one of the, one of the most interesting sessions uh, that I went to was a handful of it was like five different panelists who had made fil films on a micro budget. And so th there was uh, there was there was a great saying that was like uh, there is return on investment and then there is return on experience. And you know they all understood the joy of getting your friends together and making some really great art for not a lot of money um, if you have a good friend base, you know. And so anyway, I really liked that session a lot. And um, uh, others were, uh, you know, uh, really good as well. And, and a lot of inspirational um, sessions, you know, like Jose Andreas, who started the World Central Kitchen and kind of feeds people, you know, in disaster zones, you know, from Ukraine to Syria. And so that was a great session. 
And yeah, just in general, I think being around so many creative people, I mean, kind of as we kind of are in our pinball around in our uh, creative bubbles here in Huntington and in Charleston and stuff, you know, we're around a lot of really amazing people. And so I think going to South by Southwest and then coming back, you really even more appreciate how good, you know, the creative people are here. <laughs> Cause I saw, I saw a little bit of music down there, of course. And, you know, but then I came back and went to the loud and saw, you know, uh, Brad Goodall's band and John Ingram band and, uh, Jeremy Short's band. And, um, you know, I'm like, wow, there's three best bands I've seen all week, and I've been at South by Southwest all week, you know. <laughs> well, with the film office, it, are you the head of it, or are you just in charge of, like, communications? Or Yeah, so so um, the film office before was in tourism, and um, now it's embedded in the West Virginia Department of Economic Development. And so we sort of have a team that helps out with it. We have our communications team that has helped build the website and all the social media. And then I help, um, you know, I'm sort of somewhat like the concierge, I guess, of, you know, when people call in and um, I, I, I sort of call it weird shit, different day, you know, because producers call in and you never know what they're going to need or what they want. You know, we want to shut down three interstates or, you know, we need a, we, we need an ice skating rink and it's June, you know. And, um, but anyway, so I, I take those calls and, uh, then we have, uh, Megan Smith in our office. She is the, uh, it's kind of financial person who's working hand in hand with our tax department. So we, so our tax department's part of the film office. Megan is, I am communications. And then of course, uh, you know, uh, some, some of the folks above me, like Mike Graney that runs the department of economic development. Um, so, so we kind of have a team, you know, but I'm like definitely one of the front facing person of it. And so, and so I'm taking care of, you know, the database uh, that we have, which is really a robust database, which is really cool. Yeah, I remember back in the previous incarnation of the film office, they had like a uh, almost like film location database online. Yes. And you could just scroll through and like see all the different types of uh, uh, locations that were available. And it was kind of uh, uh, amazing to see... Almost, that kind of thing almost works on like a tourism level too of like scrolling through and like oh i didn't realize we had this here oh oh yeah for sure you know so yes yeah, so we so our database so our website's west virginia uh gov backslash wv film and when you go there um it, you get kicked into if you want to interact with it the website you get kicked into the database which is run by real scout out of charlotte north carolina and so they did the database before. Luckily, they didn't uh, purge everything. Um, and so we decided to go ahead and restart the film office with the data that was in there from five years ago. And knowing that we were going to have to clean a lot of it up. And so that's a lot of the work I've been doing is Make like... calls to all these businesses being like, hey, are you still chill with us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and um, yeah, and so we've been... So we're back up at about... We're sitting about at 5,000 locations. And then also on, we also have on the, on that real scout uh, database, we also have uh, professional crew and services as well. And I try to tell people, um, and that's, that's been sort of a call to action, you know, for, um, <clears throat> you know, for like, uh, economic development authorities and also for, uh, you know, chambers of commerce and, uh, you know, t tourism, uh, uh, 
administrations like and uh, CVBs try to get them to all uh, encourage businesses and everybody to like load up the information that they have. That way, when we get producers calling and they want, of course, a lot of folks want stuff yesterday <laughs> and they, you know, t give me a list of here's, you know, all the people who have uh, miniature ponies in uh, West Virginia because we're coming in to make a film about them, <laughs> you know, it's, or whatever. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, show me all the trailers in uh, Fayetteville. Uh, but, you know, so it's good to have that information loaded in there. So that's something that's kind of a work in progress. But, yeah, you're right. You get, you go look in there, and people want really specific things. Like uh, we have a, had a New York production that wanted this very specific house in Hardy County. Um, I It kind of looks like the Guggenheim. It's like a really interesting, swirly um, gumdrop of a house <laughs> that's really fascinating and so anyway but they wanted to call you know I called the owner and said are you you know are you still up for rentals and oh yeah <laughs> and so I thought you'd never call and so uh, anyway so yeah it's kind of kind of neat like digging in there and like we, we've been working with uh, Green Bank this last week um, they have a new uh, a, a director over there of a PR who who actually has a film degree, and so she's been working with us on a handful of very interesting projects, and so they've just done some new, uh, you know, footage and stuff, video footage of uh, all the different, uh, you know, satellites that are over there and telescopes. Man, I went down there once for a field trip, and it was astonishing how big that thing is. The Green Bank. Oh yeah, the main yeah the main uh, telescope is like yeah three football fields or something. It's it's uh it's quite insane and and it's really uh the perfect backdrop for a lot of different sci-fi movies you know so something with a little bit of a alien conspiratorial feel to it yeah yeah absolutely and so so anyway we're kind of excited to kind of showcase you know some of West Virginia's uh, amazing properties yeah I was just uh, about a month ago over at the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum you know, which is one of the largest uh, limestone buildings in North America. And uh, then there's like a bunch of different, pro uh, you know, buildings on that property as well. And so they already get quite a bit of action, but I really think they could probably be a great place for a series as well. So anyway, I, I, I'm excited to showcase some of those, some of those uh, unique properties that we have and see what we can, can't land, you know. Have you found any like locations or places in the state that surprised you that we even had it there like just through either the database or like on-site visits well i mean uh you know just through our travel or our dave tribbin travels you know is palace of gold is definitely you know one of those places i want to go oh it's really it's really great you know uh, trill and i we we spent the night there with the boys uh you know and back in the day and uh, i've been back there since it's really uh an amazing amazing property and um, you definitely, and Terrell had been to India, and she said it was really the closest that you could come to going to India is like, you know, being at, you know, with, uh, at this kind of Hare Krishna uh, compound. And it was very, you know, it's very, very uh, beautiful. And uh, some ponds and peacocks running around everywhere. And of course, the Palace of Gold. So it's definitely a unique property and uh, yeah, definitely a unique place to shoot. I feel like someone with a drone would love to fly over that thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of it. I would say the other thing that we have too, some kind of oddball stuff, you know, um, a unique property is like the Memorial Tunnel. And so that's, you know, you know, near Charleston. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, that was a, a, a massive tunnel uh, through the mountains and that got 
you know, it, it's no longer used uh, except for the National Guard uh, was using it. You know, after 9-11, they set up scenarios in there and for like search and rescue uh, operations and that kind of thing. Uh, Herdenshaw Farms now has a mushroom operation in there, but still quite a room, quite a lot of room where you could film all kinds of different uh you know, say like, uh, you know, scenes for like the last of us or, you know, a show like a show like that. Right. And, uh, and of course that was one of our, I, have to, I do have to brag on this. This is, this was uh this was a lucky kind of thing that happened when we first started the film office was, uh, uh, Megan and I got this kind of crazy call where it's like, can you shut down? Um, we had to shut down several interstates around Wheeling uh, for a shoot and so we're like, well, yeah, may possibly. <laughs> we got to check on that, you know. And so I was looking up the production company. I was like, oh, we should probably do this, you know. Um, and so we connected with the, you know, Division of Highways and and kind of ran it up to flagpole and was like, hey, you know, we put this uh, tax credit back into play. We're gonna get these kind of calls, right? And it's not gonna be every day, but maybe twice a year we're gonna get a call that's sort of uh, gonna be a little. Con- temporary inconvenience for a really good payoff and this was certainly one of those and so anyway they were they were totally fine with it and made it happen and so we got a placement in uh the last of us which you know the big hit hbo show so we were very excited you know they didn't spend a ton of time in west virginia but where we were just ramping up the film office it was nice to just show people hey we're back in business and guess what the hottest show on tv just came to west virginia to film yeah within a year of starring in this office back already getting a big hbo call like that must be really gratifying yeah it felt really good you know i I think the the one thing too that's great too nathan and you know this very well because you know so many creatives here is that you know we're really excited about you know just how many already filmmakers are here making incredible doing incredible work right and so i always like to look at data and to see where we're at right cuz west virginia you just don't know right are we you know 49th are we 7th a lot of times you got to really just look at the data and and see where we're at you know and so it was interesting you know with uh the number of film productions or and also uh you know, economy created from the TV industry that we were like right on the hills of Montana already. Um, and that's only with having a handful of actually, you know, series kind of like the Barnwood Builders, Fly Rod Chronicles. There's a, kind of a handful of those shows. Right. And, you know, of course, we always get tons of like underground monsters and lots of we get lots of cryptid work. Right. People coming in for that stuff. Um, but but, you know, Montana ha- you know, has Yellowstone. And so I was like, well, that's, that's pretty impressive. We're kind of right on the Hills, even though they got one, you know, kind of huge show. Um, they don't have a ton of other work and we sort of have, you know, as you know, in TV, we got tons of like really good documentaries that are already done here. I think, you know, we get a lot of just natural storytellers in West Virginia and Appalachia. So I think that we're going to really see, uh, and that's, I'm kind of equal, as much excited about that as bringing in a ton of outside productions as is seeing our great storytellers, you know, like Curran Sheldon and Elaine Sheldon, seeing King Cole just already get up there and, you know, get out and, you know, got premiered at Sundance. It's already going to like film festivals all over the world and, you know, kind of putting West Virginia on the map for some really just exquisite storytelling and really unique and kind of innovative documentary storytelling too. Yes. And that's sort of like, I think that was one of the things too out of South by Southwest that I got excited about was, that you know it doesn't matter if it's an audible 
um, you know, audio drama, which I love that fact, right? That the fact that um, a lot of the uh, studios are paying for an audio drama first and then to just try out a script. And I think that's really kind of neat uh, trend. But it doesn't matter if it's in that form or if it's a documentary or an animation short or, you know, a full length of, of any flavor that it always, it, it always goes back to the strength of a story. And so I think we're kind of positioned in Appalachia in West Virginia in the fact that increasingly like in a plastic, you know, disconnected world that we're real, you know, and I think that people um, ultimately um, kind of kind of are attracted to that. It's sort of a magnetic, we sort of have a magnetic, um, you know, true, uh, true north kind of we have like a we have a sense of who we are and I like that you know I th and I think people like that right they're kind of drawn to something that's kind of authentic and, and unique you know and we've seen that with a lot of the different music artists that we have you know that people are really drawn to like a good story so just attaching to the uh to the process of it all yeah exactly yeah and that is uh, so one thing we are you know trying to do you know with the film office we're only about eight months in so um, but we are trying to build out our opportunities for our workforce. And so um, we sponsored like a grip and electric uh, workshop up at uh, uh, in Morgantown at the West Virginia Public Broadcasting Studio with Larry Dowling, who has uh, Appalachian Grip and Lighting. And Larry's been doing a ton of, he's always done a bunch of film and TV work in addition to stuff at uh, West Virginia Public Broadcasting. So we had like uh, 30 plus people that went to that. Uh, grip and electric workshop it sold out and we did that in conjunction with uh, West Virginia Filmmakers Guild they've been around since 1982 and anyway I gotta give Justin Alcar and and his whole crew a shout out you know they put that thing together reached out to us said to do we want to help sponsor it and we we're like heck yeah you know we really we know that you know when these when these big productions come in they're gonna need a ton of G&E folks and we want to give people like some more career uh, on ramps you know to get into the industry, you know, so, so we've been trying to team up with, um, you know, and it's kind of stay in constant communication with like Tisha Bumgarner at, at Marshall University, where they have a very robust uh, video production program, but we're, you know, uh, and Tisha wants to really turn that into a filmmaking program. And we've already, you know, written a letter of support uh, to, to hope that that happens, you know, and then up at WVU, uh, John Temple is up there, um, and he's a uh, has a screenwriting program, and John has a uh, he helped write uh, Waco: The Aftermath, which is going to be um, premiering on Showtime in April. So anyway, we're trying to like align ourselves with sort of asset map, you know where where we're at for workforce and kind of trying to leverage all of these different opportunities to, with each other. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and just to make sure that and like we're doing uh at the end of uh, March we're doing we're co-sponsoring co a uh a um makeup workshop with John Caglione Jr. who's won an Oscar for makeup. He's coming to Berkeley Springs Film Festival kind of over in the panhandle. And so very excited to kind of continue to do those kind of uh you know sponsoring uh kind of film industry uh workshops so that when uh, we do get some films here, you know, that, that people can get, get that work and hopefully more creative people, you know, who maybe had to move to Atlanta or they had to move to Pittsburgh or wherever to be in the industry that they can move back home. And we've had a few of those people do it. So, 
uh, Cindy Jackson, uh, who was just in A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks, she now lives in Alkins, and she's from Alkins. And so she moved back and has been getting a ton of work. I mean, she was in like eight or nine productions just this last year. And so she mostly, her agent and stuff's out of Pittsburgh. And so, you know, it's pretty close. And I think that's been an exciting thing too that we've seen since we rebooted the film office is that sort of the the film industry has sort of uh, de-embarked from just being in you know, LA and New York and and Atlanta and now you know Pittsburgh has become you know people a lot of people are looking at Pittsburgh to do film and TV and so that's been really nice for us because we've we're we're right there the Panhandle's right there you know and so we're already getting a lot of bleed over work uh, stuff coming down and a lot of Pittsburgh filmmakers who are taking a look <coughs> and um so that's been that's been really uh rewarding already and we and we can see that we're going to have like a, a really good relationship with those folks um you know to make sure that you know their filmmakers are getting all the shots they need you know and a lot of times that'll be like coming down shooting at Moundsville prison or whatever kind of really awesome sites we have up in the panhandle in that region you know and morgantown kind of fairmont clarksburg too's got a lot of action was there anyone keeping track of the amount of productions in the state when the film office was uh uh put away for a bit put on a uh, ice not really. I mean, and that's been, I've been going back and trying to like kind of asset map that because we do have, we do have, um, in Real Scout, we, we track anyone that we helped, right? So I might help, uh, you know, a, a commercial with actors. I might help, um, you know, people with locations. I might help with, um, a lot of different things with the tax credit. We have a huge tax credit. And, uh, but not that I can tell was anybody because Real Scout was totally disengaged. So I don't think that anybody was keeping track of anything. But being eight months <laughs> in and having, what, multiple, like, Lifetime-type movies, Last of Us, all these kind of reality TV shows, it's, uh... Yeah, we've... Seems like it's really starting to cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had probably... I don't know. It's it's several dozen, like, probably about 40 different um, productions that we've helped in some way. And so some of them are still active and they're coming in. Uh, it's particularly, you know, like people, it's such a beautiful place in uh, spring and summer and fall to, to film that we get, we get a lot of folks who are coming in in April. I mean, we got one week, week in April where we got three different productions that are coming in. And one of them has a crew coming out of New York. They, they have a crew of about 25 and they're hiring a bunch of local people too. And that's sort of been the exciting thing is like they're working with, uh, with uh, Anthony Green, the Green Brothers, with Folkway. And doing a lot of, they're doing a lot of boots on the ground kind of pr production work for them and finding uh, the best locations and stuff. So that's kind of exciting to see our kind of local production companies getting, working with um, some larger production companies to make, make the magic happen, you know. Not only do you have that connection, but if there's 25 people coming down, then, you know, that's at least 12 hotel rooms if they're sharing rooms. Uh, oh, yeah. They're, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, they're, they are... Dozens um, of uh, restaurant visits. Yeah, it's... So yeah, the, so. Pretty much, like, yeah, you, as you know, like, when these uh, when these uh, films come in, I mean, everybody... It's kind of like an octopi, you know? It's like everybody everybody in the community gets touched. I mean, uh, you know, like when we had We Are Marshall here, you know, everybody was like... People still talking Man. about it. Yeah, what McC Matthew McConaughey ate at Subway, you know? And so, like, yeah, everybody gets everybody gets some, you know, like every business, you know, <clears throat> from from insurance and lawyers and 
accountants, you know, everybody. I mean, it's like, so, you know, and, and, and of course, places for people to eat and um, rental, rental cars. I mean, it's just, it just runs the gamut. Everything you need to, like, get around and logistics. But then everything, also everything you need to put on a show. It's just really exciting overall. I know when it went away, it was a real bummer, and some people were trying to stop it. But it's a good thing that's back. Obviously, and it really is. I was, I would say this that you know, it, it makes sense for it to be embedded in the Department of Economic Development over tourism, especially. Yeah, because yeah, you know, tourism, like, and we know through like Super Eight and like We Are Marshall, you know, films do have an evergreen tourism aspect to them, right? But that's you know typically well after something's been shot, and, and as uh, we've also seen with Fallout seventy six, right? And so, you know, you do have people that will always um, go to uh, where something was filmed, and um, you know, and that's great, and we and we celebrate that, and um, you know, but but it truly is the entertainment industry, right? And so we do think it's like we we treat it. Um, not as a novel thing, but as an industry. And that, <clears throat> you know, a producer, a director, to us, they're somebody who, you know, kind of owns an idea factory. And so we treat them with, with the same amount of respect as we would somebody who has a tech idea or somebody who um, has another business idea that, that they're bringing in. And so, you know, we vet them. We make sure that, you know, that, that we don't want... Um, Anything up front, you know, that's like really disparaging of West Virginia in the sense of like mining old tropes about hillbillies and, you know, we're not going to, the state's not going to put any juice behind, you know, teenage baby sister wives three or whatever, you know, we're <laughs> that, that's just not going to happen, right? And so we want to take care of um, our good name in West Virginia. And so, so anyway, so we're up front, front end editing out any of that kind of stuff you know, any of the garbage, you know, that you would see when people kind of make fun of Appalachia in, in a way that's not, not genuine or true. And so anyway, um, yeah, we're just really excited. It's back. We're treating it as a business and we are, um, yeah, doing everything we can, you know, to, to, um, you know, welcome folks here. And I've told a lot of the production companies, I said, we don't have a lot of red carpet here, but we got tons of green carpet and we'll roll that out for you all day long, you know? And I said, West Virginia is two degrees of separation, you know, um, as my good friend Seth Weisberg always says, Hey, you got to know a guy. Hey, I know a guy, you know? So you gotta, you gotta find the people out there who, um, can help out with, uh, putting on a show. And so it's, that's the main exciting thing, you know, with like the Tunnell brothers have done, uh, the, you know, the first two, uh, lifetime movies that, that hit that were, Filmed last year and then uh, just hit over the winter and premiered on back-to-back -back, uh, Saturdays. You know, it was real exciting. I got to go up there to Fairmont, and uh, it was just because uh, it does take a village to put on a movie. And it was just really fun to see how uh, Bob and Jeff Tunnell, who were originally, uh, you know, from the area, had went to L.A. And, you know, they, they moved back. And it's really exciting to see them uh, just plug in all of their connections with the community and, and and do some really great storytelling on a national level. So uh, I love that that's already happened, and it's real, feels real organic. And, and you see that, you know, they gave a lot of opportunities, you know, for production assistance and for grip and electric for, you know, some college kids and a couple even high school kids who, you know, getting their first taste of the industry.
So I think that part of it's really exciting. You can see they're already kind of fostering and we're going to foster, you know, the next generation of storytellers. And so we're really excited to see that build out. It's good to hear that even there within the office level, there's work towards that sort of uh, reducing the stigma of Appalachia, West Virginia stereotypes. Uh, And it's not the only part of kind of your career or what you do where you help fight stigma because of your uh, big involvement in Hope in the Hills and Healing Appalachia. So you're kind of doing that from multiple fronts about multiple subjects. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's been that was that's been an interesting um turn for me, you know, um during you know, it's been about I guess about three years ago. Like yeah, Ian Thornton called me and, you know, said Hey, you know, I'd really like um, you to be a part of Hope in the Hills, and um, which I was always a big fan of what they were doing, you know. And of course, Ian, I had I had drug Ian onto the uh, Create Huntington board back in the day, and uh, you know, so we'd always kind of work together. Like we had been on, you know, kind of in that creative capacity together, you know. And um, so yeah, so it's it's been um, I've been uh, you know helping the you know the board. I'm the now board president, you know, kind of helping them put some bones around, you know, <clears throat> Hope in the Hills, um, which is the nonprofit, you know, that uh, they started, uh, that Ian and Charlie Hatcher and Kibi, that Gilkerson, they all started back in 2017. And so, um, yeah, they to, to really just do something, you know, because the opioid epidemic was getting so bad, you know. I think in 2016, you know, that year – is when, you know, we saw the 26 overdoses in one day and, you know, they, at at that time, they weren't sure what they could do. Um, but they knew they had to do something and they, they knew that music could be the vehicle for, you know, getting, um, people to show up and kind of uniting people around something. Right. Cause I remember, I remember that summer they, <clears throat> cause they also had the flood that summer in 2016. Right. And so, you know, um, Ian and Tyler and everybody had gotten together and put together a show at the V club. And, you know, I remember they raised like, you know, it was like $13,000 in one night and, uh, just incredible. And Tyler came up from, you know, had Van Zant just full of, uh, you know, goods that he had got donated from Eastern Kentucky to bring up to West Virginia that had got devastated by the floods, you know? And so they saw it in action, you know, that you, br- if you unite people around music, that you can really um, change people's hearts and minds about something. And so around the opioid epidemic, they sort of have created what we kind of think of as like the farm aid for the recovery community, right? And so they did one in 2018 and 2019 at the State Fair of West Virginia. <clears throat> and then, of course, because of COVID, we had to go two years virtual, and um, which has been very interesting putting that that together an evening with healing Appalachia because we're we got one coming up um on April 6th um but then we were, last year we were able to in September go live and have one again and you know we had almost 17,000 people over two days at the state fairgrounds and had um people from 38 states three countries and we had um about 30, about over 30 recovery groups from six states. And so we loved that aspect of bringing everybody together and people could see, you know, meet each other and find best practices. And also just, you know, really just for a weekend, they just kind of 
you know, <clears throat> celebrate the, the, the wins, right? Celebrate the recovery that people um, are, are making um, with opioids. You know, as Jan Rader told me not too long ago, you know, that, that it's six times that someone might relapse average with opioids. But, you know, with nicotine, it's nine. And so it's not insurmountable. And so I think that, you know, we go at this thing of trying to, in a realistic way, um, you know, hold up and help the people who are doing this boots on the ground work every day and give them a place to come unite and and to go home. And, and, and then also for, for the just average music fan, you know, try to um, show at Healing Appalachia uh, because we have um, – Folks in recovery, they see recovery in action. So they, we have over, you know, 100 and some volunteers from a bunch of recovery groups, you know, and they're security. They're building the stage and, you know, they're walking around and helping people. They're telling their stories from the stage. And, you know, I think that when the average music fan just sees that, they can become more empathetic and they can go back to their hometowns, wherever they are from, and, and start to live that way. Because we do see around um, Appalachia that in different communities, people can can get hardened. Their hearts can get hardened. They can get compassion fatigue. And so we're really trying to combat that um, as part of our mission. And we're also trying to really lift up all of those um, folks who are doing the hard work every day. Like we teamed up with this last team in Appalachia. We teamed up with West Virginia Drug Intervention Institute. And we're able to... Um, we had a fun, a fun idea of um, have a VIP tent where if you if you um, came and got trained, we would give you you know a bunch of really cool swag, right? And so Tyler donated a bunch of CDs. We had Gibson uh, donate uh, a Les Paul that that somebody won, and then we had a bunch of the artists like Tommy Prine and Arlo McKinley and and the guys from the food stamps. They all came over and took the training and met a bunch of people and signed autographs. And so we just had this, had this, um, you know, really great atmosphere built around the one box and the Loxone training. And so um, we're able to, over the weekend, um, give out about 1,200 boxes of the, the one box, which is the video training uh, for the Naloxone um, that was all donated to West Virginia Drug Intervention Institute, and then also do uh, a training from the stage. So train at one time, 11,000 people <laughs> in uh, naloxone training. So, so we're trying to make, you know, the Healing Appalachia, the event is really just this, is like the farm aid, like how to use music as this social tool, you know, to then uh, ignite people, inspire people to go back to their hometowns and make, and make it better. And right, and just sort of educate people about, and then, then you're just face to face with, with people who have, um, who are in recovery, you know, and so we think that um, it, it, it's helpful. <laughs> so we're, I don't know, we're, we're very excited to do this work and to see it go a lot, you know, be in person again. And because there is no substitute for, you know, hearing music in person. And then it's just a beautiful thing uh, wrapped into it when there's um, the good work uh, that people are doing to help other people. Between the economic development film office and hope in the hills you always seem like you're wearing 
a lot of hats at a time are you someone who's really just driven by that sort of community engagement and being involved with uh, the community yeah absolutely nathan i you know i of course i was raised my dad uncle and grandfather all baptist pastors right and you know my, i come from the old mlk school or like service to others is you know is your rent for life here on earth you know and so i've always been able to look outside myself and always have been willing to and made a point in my life to help other people because my dad always said his old saying you know if you want a blessing be a blessing you know and help somebody out and so i've always been a giver and you know i i am really driven by um with hope in the hills i would say that you know i think we can't be on the sidelines with this opioid crisis I mean, uh, this last year, and because COVID made it worse, everybody was isolated. People slipped back into the black hole. That's sometimes pe- people's own mind, right? You know, is that your worst enemy is yourself. And and so, you know, we had 107,000 people pass away from opioid addiction. And, you know, it's we've seen it in our community. You know, it is someone's sister or brother or cousin or one of our favorite banjo players or whoever. You know, we've seen... Seen people like Carrie Aaron, you know, the people that we loved, the great artist, you know, pass away. And so we just, I, th- I think we got to kind of like with a lot of things, it's like get off the sidelines and get in, do whatever we can, wherever we can, while we can, you know. And so, I yes, I definitely feel driven. And as I've gotten older, too, I definitely feel like, you know, I, I realize that life's short, you know. I've had some good friends that passed away, like Jeff Kovach was a really dear friend of mine who had, you know, brain aneurysm at 42 and passed away. And, you know, and his last text to me was like, um, you know, join him on his boat because he's uh, doing research in the higher river, you know. And, you know, it's just like here one day on your boat in the higher river, you know, dead the next. And so anyway, I, I so I tried to go at this that time short and you know our energy and stuff's limited so i'm gonna plow as much of it as i can into um helping other people and doing as much good as i can in the places where it makes sense you know and for me where things make a lot of sense is where music i've always been around music my entire life so like where music and like social enterprise or 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 you know, social services line up and so definitely healing Appalachia and hoping the hills is kind of right in that right in that wheelhouse and I would say it's been really exciting like even even through COVID you know we've um started a music therapy program and um and so we have that going on we have music therapists that are uh, in Knoxville Tennessee Cecilia Wright um who played on Tyler's Long Violent History uh, album and she's a fellow UK grad as I am and then we got uh Margaret Moore she is helping uh, get the uh, uh, recovery uh, music therapy going again at Recovery Point uh, in uh, West Virginia. And, and she's got that going in Huntington, but we hope to have it at all the uh, Recovery Point locations. And then she also works with ARC with Don Rigsby over at Addiction Recovery Centers. And anyway, we just hope to like team up with other folks like that, like Don Rigsby and, and those folks. And, uh, you know, just sort of sp- spread hope and, you know, through music. And, uh, and so that's, that's been exciting as well, just to kind of see that, you know, just be a part of that and see that kind of taking shape, you know, and we get some other exciting things to announce, uh, 
we have another a really cool collaboration with uh, John Prine's uh, foundation called Hello in There, and with uh, Fiona, his widow, and Jody, his son, and um, uh, and uh, Celine Thaxton, who runs runs that organization. So we got a really fun thing this year for uh, Healing Appalachia that's going to involve them, and uh, we're very excited to continue to work with with them as well. So so that's been a fun thing is like. Um, w- you know, digging into Hope in the Hills and Healing Appalachia has been like sort of meeting folks that are out there doing the good work and then kind of teaming up with them and seeing how we can help them and lift them up and, and, and create more positive energy and things going on. Well, the um, event that y'all had in Nashville a few months ago, yeah. uh, that just shows how you're able to leverage all of these kind of whiz bang Tyler Childers music industry connections with the recovery side of things and uh bringing everyone together for the greater good of it all yeah it, yeah it's it's yeah it's really exciting you know you, you could see it that night you know with Ian and um it was kind of Ian's idea and Jody Whalen uh, that runs oh boy uh and John's and Fiona's son and and you could just see how much goodwill like those are just two fantastic people in that people that people in that industry just really respect them so much and and it was just really great you know that and and uh you know we're kind of just continuing to do that you know is to uh kind of uh empower and and ignite those people that uh in the industry who want to create some change you know and and since covid you know it's it's been interesting there's definitely a um trend in the industry for folks for artists uh more artists to go sober you know because every night's a saturday night and at some point, you know, you can't drink all the whiskey. And so the people grow up and they learn that, you know, <clears throat> and a lot of people the hard way, you know, and a lot of people struggle, you know, artists are empaths and, and, um, you know, so it's easy to get led down the pathway of addiction. And so anyway, we're excited to see, you know, to, you know, t- to have artists come on board and show that it's okay. You know, the Jason Isbells and the people who have, you know, kind of very bravely and awkwardly you know, publicly and publicly, you know, it, you know, have made, made a change for good. I, you know, he's at South by Southwest last year, you know, he was on a panel with Jan Rader, you know, he said a great thing. He said, uh, either you're in diapers or you should be in therapy, you know, and, and just sort of like, you know, reminding folks that mental health is like, is health and that we got to take care of ourselves and it's okay um, to tell somebody if you're not okay, you know? And so that's, that's, that's what we need to hear. And so we're, we're trying to like, you know, line up with, you know, those kind of folks that have that message and that are kind of helping change the industry. So that, that is one of the things, um, that, uh, you know, and I, and I think that it kind of lured to some mysterious ways and it, you know, I was down in South by Southwest this year and, um, anyway, I was walking down the street and, sell this guy's embroidered uh, jacket <laughs> and uh anyway I was like man I really love your jacket that's so cool and he's like oh yeah this is a little festival that I run and it was the luck reunion and it was this guy uh Larry Murray that had worked on that festival you know for years and uh anyway but he runs a helps run an organization uh, called one million strong that's sort of trying to um, make more sober spaces at festivals and and so anyway, so we're now talking about how we can connect with Healing Appalachia because he had been trying to connect with us for a while. All because of a sidewalk encounter. <laughs> yeah, and all because of a sidewalk encounter. So it was really cool that, you know, um, 
I don't think it was by chance even, right? And so, anyway, it was really cool. So, so we're trying to like um, gather up more kind of national allies as we kind of um, get bones around healing Appalachia and Hope in the Hills. And this next year, uh, coming up in September the twenty first, twenty third, you know, we're going to three days, and we got some really big names who have signed on, and we're really excited. Um, you know, for folks to come to West Virginia and, and to learn from some of the best people, you know, it's, it's really interesting, you know, with the opioid crisis. I remember Audie Perry saying early on that, you know, yes, this, we're the worst, you know, of <clears throat> in the world right now for the rates of uh, opioid addiction, but we could be, the, we can be the recovery capital of the world. And so you see with like the great things happening, like with Compass, you know, with, with Jan, with also with, you know, um, folks like Tisha Baumgartner and the Sheldons, like doing some very, um, uh, very powerful work or s- the storytelling of telling the stories of folks in addiction, you know, that kind of, and, and people, you know, like Tammy Jordan and Fruits of Our Labor doing the recovery to work initiatives. Well, you know, a lot, a lot of like, um, I would say like social enterprises here and like Coalfield Development, you know, doing uh, apprentices, a lot of just uh, world-class uh, recovery efforts happening here. Well, it's like uh, Mayor Williams will say a lot, like, yeah, we're a city of problems, but also we're a city of solutions and we're willing to try new things to become that national model. Yeah, and I think the important thing, and and Steve's always been so kind and and and, and wise about about the opioid recovery stuff is that you know we and Huntington know it's not us and them, it's us, and and we've been trying to with healing Appalachia and hope in the hills is is, is to erase that us and them. It's just us, and because anybody you know anybody can fall prey to a, a substance use disorder. Um, if and uh, we're all like one bad car accident away, sure, from yeah. falling into it. I, I try to tell people when I catch people that you know, um, I think are have hardened their heart to it. I always say, you know, who my favorite teenage heroin addict was <laughs> was James Taylor. You know, he was signed to Apple Records, but that, that the Beatles ran and you know, was uh, you know, addicted to heroin, and so you know, at, at 19 or whatever, and so. You know, people can change. People do change, and I love seeing seeing that happen. And we love, you know, one thing too. I would say with uh, Healing Appalachia is that it's been, you know, we grant we grant uh, funds, we vet vet uh, nonprofits, and then we uh, grant funds to them. And we say the only strings attached are on our guitars. And so we want to give vet people, give good people money, and let them rock and roll and do what they do every day, and not worry about, you know. They can tell, you know, they can send us some reports back, but it's not like getting a federal grant or something. And so anyway, it's like you have all of these caveats you have to check off. Yeah. Grant writing can be for some of these small organizations is just really cumbersome. And, and, you know, you really need a full-time grant person just to, you know, go after a few thousand dollars. So anyway, we try to really help people where they're at, get started and really infuse, uh, you know, funds into things that are really amazing. And so, anyway, just like so many of those initiatives, like Troublesome Creek Stringed Instruments um, down in eastern Kentucky, you know, they hire um, recovery work uh, folks from 
from a nearby recovery house and and teach them how to repair and then make um, instruments. And you know they got hit by the flood last summer, and so they're bouncing back. And um, anyway, we love the work that they're doing and love that we can support them, and also report uh, support like recovery work with uh, the Reach Initiative. They do a ton of work with the West Virginia Reentry Councils and um, also some like really cool groups like. Appalachian Botanical, which is like a lavender farm and an abandoned coal mine, and they have almost their full staff is like um, folks who have been justice involved. And so, anyway, just really happy to be able to lift up some of these people, just doing ama- doing amazing work, and and often unheralded. You know, uh, the people that are you know, I found out a lot, Nathan, since like <laughs> being in Hope in the Hills. So I. You know, as being a journalist, I had come in and like find the lay of the land and like, you know, what's the ecosystem? What's happening? You know, who, 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 where, where do, where do we need to put resources? You know, and one of the things that's really been on my heart, you know, is that in, in, in the U.S. we have the most, you know, people incarcerated uh, of any other country in the world, right? Uh, percentage wise. And then in West Virginia as well, we have a lot of people you know, that are incarcerated. And in West Virginia, 98% of, of folks in West Virginia prisons are coming out because they're in there, m- most of them are in there for drug charges, you know. And so I think that I I have been increasingly wanting to and um, cognizant of and um, wondering how to help, um, you know, folks that are doing work to help uh, justice-involved individuals. So I think the... the you know, from like family treatment courts, uh, which there's a handful of those around the, around West Virginia uh, that are happening. And then also the people like the Appalachian Prison Book Club, where they're in Morgantown, they're sending, sending folks. Um, they're stuff. incredible. Yeah, they're incredible, you know. And, and then also the, the you know, the, the Tammy Jordans, the Fruits of Our Labor, those kind of folks that are picking up people downstream when they get let out, you know, and making sure that they have a career pathway. And so, and the REACH Initiative and Reentry re- Councils, you know. So, and I work a lot with the state. I've been working a lot with Jobs and Hope. And so I always have a um, – place at my table for uh those folks and when we're talking to companies or whatever we try to make sure that that they um aren't forgetting about you know these people that deserve a second chance you know and that are a lot of times very hungry to to prove people you know that they deserve a second chance you know you mentioned you know coming to these roles out of a uh, journalism background and you said you'd been back in Huntington, what, 22 years or so? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but being a, a journalist, even if something isn't your beat, you're still kind of paying attention to it, your ears on the ground. You're ingesting a lot of information and taking in like a lot of moments about town, events that happen, uh, both from what you are doing, which is like the art and culture writing, and then you know adjacent to everything else going on. Have there been any like standout trends or moments that have really been a positive overall? Um, yeah, or just that that stand out to you as like just being uh, noteworthy. Oh, like in Huntington or in general? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say that you know I, I think one of the the most exciting trends in Huntington, and that and then I think we're seeing this uh, play out in uh, cities around the the world really. Is that there's definitely been a 
a trend in um, reinvestment in um, downtowns and also a uh, kind of among your your generation and, and uh, below um, a uh, sense of and sometimes it's kind of a new sense of entrepreneurship and um, you know I just I, I'm just reading a book uh, Silicon uh, Heartland and you know it's about the kind of startup the kind of startup bubbles that are happening around um, you know the Rust Belt cities right so what, the stuff that's happening in Pittsburgh and Morgantown and Huntington and um, uh, and Columbus and Cincinnati. And so to me, that's very exciting to see because I grew up that, you know, you know, your dad worked at the steel company and your grandfather and your uncle and everybody works for the for the steel steel mill, you know. And so Union job. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You work for you go to work for this big company and you make a paycheck and come home. Right. And then you do what you do. And but I think that this whole idea of like, you know, seeing so many Appalachia were full of makers and to see so many people um, so many artists, uh, you know, making their craft, trying to make a business out of what they do. You know, I think that really, really, really excites me. And I think that I can, I can directly point back in Huntington to, um, a time when that didn't exist when we first moved back from, uh, Clarksville outside Nashville, um, that, you know, here there was, uh, you know, if you had a good idea, there was about five people telling you why you couldn't do it. You know, and I was on the Neighborhood Institute for a while, and that really bothered me that, you know, that, 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 that was kind of the mindset. But when Create Huntington came and sort of created that board of connectors and created a um, sort of a, a sense of empowerment built around people coming together, share their ideas at uh, Chat and Jews, and then also kind of fostering that creative class and kind of fostering people to go try something, not be afraid to try something. That West Virginia is a, a, a soft place to land and a firm place to launch. You know, that, that really the early folks involved with that, this, this, like Thomas and Stacey McChesney and, some, and a bunch of other folks who were involved with uh, Create Huntington and Cafe Huntington, you know, really helped build out, you know, a culture of incubators and stuff. And for instance, like they, they, uh, Thomas and Stacy did the, uh, they had a little, a group that helped, uh, promote all of the incubator spaces around, um, the heritage station. Right. Cause uh, there for a while, those, those were all, there's nothing in those spaces, right. Where like gumbo stop and, you know, and, and a bunch of those places are, uh, located. Right. And so they kind of like helped promote those, and then you saw, we've seen, right, in the last 15 years, a bunch of those places like SIP, you know, and, um, you know, uh, um, Summit Beer Station, a bunch of those places, like, try out what they were doing over at Heritage Station and then and then grow into, like, amazing uh, places, right? And so that's been really exciting to see, like, um, and, and, I, and you see that if you travel around from, like, Louisville, like, Nulu and some of those places – you know, you see that in other parts too, or Princeton, West Virginia, like a lot of the um, uh, smaller cities you're seeing, you know, more, more people, more creatives, like taking a chance and building up something, not waiting on the Calvary. They're not, we're not waiting on the next huge company to come save us. Even though I would say that we have some kind of amazing opportunities coming into West Virginia, uh, thanks to a lot of hustle, you know, by the West Virginia Department of Economic Development. We've got a lot of amazing green energy uh, companies that are set, sh- setting up shop here. 
but we're not waiting on it. We're not fully dependent on it. We're going ahead and creating, celebrating our own culture here now. So, you know, you saw that last night at FemFest. You see some great vendors, and that's, to me, that's been, that's been exciting to see. Yeah. Is there anything I haven't mentioned that you want to touch on? You know, I would say that for people out there, you know, like, I think, I know that sometimes people don't feel like they, um, they have time to like make, make a big difference or, you know, nobody's asking them to be on a board or whatever. Um, you know, everything matters. And what I'm a huge fan of when I first moved back here to Huntington, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Richard Cobb and uh, litter getters adopt your block. So, you know, spring's coming up. An amazing thing that you can do is go out, hike around, and pick up trash. And um, I do that. I'm I'm very religious about doing that because <coughs> I like to walk and bike around. But um, anyway, I've done that since I've moved back here. And anyway, anything you can do makes a difference. Like, just think about, I don't know, think about play, uh, small things that you can do. Uh, whether it's giving books to a little free library or, you know, just something that you can do. Um, any, just think about things you can do and things you can give and think about giving, you know, and try to not think about yourself as much. You know what I mean? So I think every time that I um, get to a point where I'm thinking about other people and how I can help out that my life infinitely becomes more richer. And so... I think don't don't worry about um sometimes I think we're too get too worried about our own success, our own brand or whatever. You know, but I think if you celebrate <clears throat> truly celebrate other people and help other people along that you'll find that they will help you along too. And you know, I've certainly found that in the low points of my life that all the people that I had helped, you know, and wrote stories about, you know, were there for me when I lost my job and stuff back in the day. So, I don't know. So, I uh, a very rambling way to say, uh, you know, get out there and don't be afraid to uh, just take little steps to, to make the world a better place, you know. Even if it's just right out your doorstep. You know? Check out An Evening with Healing Appalachia on Thursday, April 6th, a virtual way to take in live music while supporting an amazing cause. Thank you for listening to Commonplace. If you liked today's episode, I ask that you subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend. These are free ways that help the show in a big way. The show is hosted and produced by me, Nathan Thomas. Our theme song is Rescio by Goodwolf from the album Car in the Woods. We'll be back again in two weeks with another episode of Commonplace. Thank you.